This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Hey, hey, well, I want to say welcome again and happy Father's Day. And it wouldn't be Father's Day unless we showed a bunch of dudes shooting stuff. Amen? And I want to invite you personally to be a part of Man Camp 2017. It's going to be a little bit different this year. We're going to go whitewater rafting down at the Ohio pile. So get online now on our website and, and reserve your spot today. I know we, we put it out there last night and guys have already gotten online and started uh, registering for our Man Camp 2017. Now, let's just jump right in. We are wrapping up this series uh, that's been on loan to us called, called Arrows. And it's been really a, a series about parenting and about relationships. And we started looking at, at what is the main target, what is the main goal uh, of parenting? What's the main goal as we live our lives? And then it's ultimately, week one, we said to hit the target of following God, of living by faith, of serving God on our way to heaven. It's that whole seek first his kingdom and then all this other stuff is going to be Added, And then the week after that, we talked about some essentials. And I would encourage you to go back and start and, and listen to the podcast if you, you missed it. And then last week, we talked about some correction things. Discipline, correction in the quiver. And we say correction is not something that we do to our children. It's something we do for our children. Well, today, we're finishing up talking about the release. Talking about the letting go, talking about letting that little arrow off the bowstring and flying out into the atmosphere to hit its target because arrows were meant to fly. They were never meant to just stay there on the bowstring. And I don't know a ton about archery. However, I do watch the arrow. Anybody watch the arrow? I watch this guy right here. And I feel like since I watched the arrow, I'm at least a novice archer because I watched that. And the only reason we watch that um, is because my wife says that he and I could be twins. Like, we're almost identical. <laughs> Me and that guy right there. And I see it. I see it. I see it. But uh, here's what I do know. That, that when it comes to archery, you can take that down. All the women are going to stumble. Take that down. Um, the release is important. And you want to have, when you're letting them fly, you want to have as smooth a release, as smooth as a shot as possible, which is a completely different way of looking at parenting. Because oftentimes we wanna, we wanna hold on and we wanna clutch on, we wanna grab tight to these little ones, but we wanna live with this open-handed mentality and have a smooth release. And so today the, the title for our final message is Ready, Aim, Fire. Ready, aim, fire. We're going to talk about a couple different things when it comes to being ready and being prepared. A couple different things of uh, when it comes to our aim and the goal. And then ultimately to fire. And for some of you, you're in this season right now. 
You're in the season of your ones just graduating high school, you know, maybe moving to that next level. You're getting ready to release them off the bowstring, and this is going to be uh, of great comfort and, and courage to you, I pray. Or others of you, you know, your children are graduating college and, and moving on to that next stage in life. Well, this is, has a lot to do uh, with where you are, but for those of you that maybe you're not parents or you have little ones, this will allow you to get ready to aim and to fire. And so the first thing, if you want to write this down, is that in order to prepare them, we need to, in order, we need to prepare them in order to propel them. We need to prepare our little ones in order to propel them. Look at Proverbs 22, six. It says, train up a child in the way he should. What's that word? We're going to play along this morning. Train up a child in the way he should go. Like the goal is to get them to go. The goal is to prepare them in order to see them go, in order to see them, them launch. Train up a child in the way he should go. So if you got a 27-year-old who's still living at home in the basement, parents, it's time to tell him to go. Get out of the house right now. And if you do so, right, when he's old, he will not depart from it. In fact, it's been said that the parenting is a propulsion system, not a prison system. And the point of parenting is, is the propelling, is the, the release, is the letting go, is the firing off. And so your job as a parent, you know, should be more like that of, of mission control at NASA and less like the warden at Rikers Island. Now, I understand parents, sometimes in order to get them to that point of launching and launching well, there's got to be lockdown. There's got to be bars on the window, right? There's got to be, you know, access to the yard, you know, limited access sometimes, grounding, you know, from now on, time and time again, you got to toss their cell and look for contraband. So I get all of that, but the point is to launch them. The point is to, to let them go. Our goal should be the, the launching. Prisons are, are built around the idea of staying, but a launch pad, right? Uh, Kennedy Space Center is built around the idea of of leaving, of, of going. Now, both of them have tight security. Of course, prisons have security, but so does Kennedy Space Center. Tall fences, armed guards, barbed wire, all that kind of stuff. But security in, in a launch setting is meant to launch those little ones safely, not meant to hold them back, not meant to keep them in. So parenting is more like a propulsion system than a prison system. We need to prepare them in order to propel them, train them up in the way that they should go so we can let them fly. So the question for us is, what's the way they should go? Like, what direction should they go? Now, obviously, we know the big picture, the big target, the big bullseye, right, of following God, loving God, serving God on their way to heaven. We get that, but what about this particular arrow's bent? Because they're all unique. They're all different. So if you want to know the way they should go, you got to talk to mission control. Write this down. Talk to mission control. Just like Samson's father Manoah did in Judges 13. Samson, of course, uh, was one of the great judges of Israel. You know him for his, you know, feats of of strength, you know, for, for killing, you know, a thousand Philistines with a, with a jawbone. This was the guy that, that um, man, he, he was just 
He was an awesome dude that uh, made some really bad decisions when it comes to the ladies, eventually got himself captured, his eyes gouged out. But one of his last kind of final efforts was he killed these Philistines by, by pushing down the walls of a temple. And the Bible tells us that he killed more in his death than he did in his, his life. But before all that happened, before he became this, this great judge you know, of Israel, his parents were asking him, his father was asking God, what do we do with him? Like, how do we, we raise him? What's the way he should go? Look at it in Judges 13, starting in verse 8. It says, Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us and teach us what we are supposed to do. In other words, he's talking to mission control. He's asking, what do I do? How do I, how do I raise this child? What, what's his, his mission? Verse 12 said, now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? And exactly that, what is his mission? How do I prepare him? What's his purpose? What's his destination? Where is he, he going? Does he need enough fuel to get to you know, the International Space Station? Does he need enough fuel to go to a Mars mission? You know, what is his purpose? What is his mission? Parents... These are the questions we need to be asking as we prepare our little ones in order to propel them, as we get them ready, the ready part of ready, aim, fire. Ready, we need to prepare them in order to propel them. The second part of getting them ready is this, write it down. Begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Begin with the, the destination. When is the time to start thinking about launching your little ones into the atmosphere? Like now, like today, like right now, you begin with the end in mind. NASA doesn't launch a space shuttle into, you know, space on a whim. They know the destination. They know the mission. They know exactly what they need to accomplish. So they are preparing for it. They're beginning with the end, the end destination in mind. So they're, they're, it takes years for NASA to launch anything into space. Like shuttle missions can take decades to prepare for. Like what are we engineering? What are we building? What's the goal? What's the mission? NASA, they're, they're doing math and all that kind of stuff, you know, I think to prepare for that. But what's the goal? We need to be asking that question. What is our mission? Begin with the end in mind. They didn't wake up one morning this is not Phineas and Ferb and say, hey, Ferb, what do you want to do today? I don't know. Let's build a rocket and go to the moon. I lost about 75% of you. You have no idea what Phineas and Ferb is. Ask my kids. That's not how they do it. When's the time to think about the sending, the release? Today. Begin with the end in mind. When's, when do you start thinking about your, your high school or graduating from high school and moving on? Like not the week before. Like years before, you plan for that. Dads and, and, and moms, when do you think about your daughter getting married? You know, and starting her, her own family. Not like months before, but, but, but years before you begin with the end in mind. We see this from the story of Hannah in the Old Testament. Hannah, uh, of course, you know, had, had this dream in her heart that she would give, give birth to children. She, she pleaded with God, you know, God, just, just help, help me give birth, you know, do this, this miracle. And before she even overcame infertility, she begged God for the impossible. Listen to her prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. This is what she prayed. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, here's what I'll do. I'll give him back. You give me a son and I'll give him back to you. 
He will be yours, she said, for his entire lifetime. Belongs to you. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to you, that I've given him to you, his hair will never be cut. So from the very beginning, she had the end in mind. From the very beginning, she said, this child doesn't belong to me. He belongs to you. So God opened her womb. She conceives. She gives birth to to Samuel, who is one of the greatest prophets ever. Samuel, who would go on to anoint the first and second kings of of Israel, this this great prophet of God. And look at uh, what it says. Skip down to verse 27. I asked the Lord, after time went on, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he's done it. He's granted my request Now I'm keeping my promise. Now I'm giving him back to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And she worshiped him there. She kept her promise before ever being pregnant, before conceiving. And in those early days of of Samuel's life, she said, God, I'm going to give him back to you. I'm opening my hands. That's why what you saw a moment ago, the child dedication, is so valuable. It's so critical. It's these parents standing up here in faith saying, this child doesn't belong to me. God, he belongs to you. It's this act of open-handed parenting. It's this, I'm beginning this child's life with the end in mind, that he belongs to you. That's how we get ready. We need to, to, to prepare them before we propel them. We need to begin with the end in mind. Then let's talk about the aim. There are many different aims, but let's look at just a couple. One is this. Arrows leave, warriors stay. Arrows leave, the goal is for the arrow to to leave, is to fly off, but the warriors, those are the parents. This is what we learned in the series uh, uh, from King Solomon, Psalm 127, that children are like arrows right in the hands of the warriors. The mom and dad, you guys are, are the warriors. The parents are the warriors, and the goal is for the arrows to leave, but for the warriors to remain. Look at Genesis 24. 2.24 2.24 says, this explains why a man leaves, leaves. He's supposed to leave, leave his father and his mother. And so if everything goes correctly, if everything goes according to plan, if you can get his rear end out of the basement, he's going to leave, right? He's going to leave. Train up your child in the way they should go. He's going to leave. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And Jesus, when quoting the Old Testament, he adds in, in Mark 9 and Matthew 19 that, that let, you know, whatever God joined together, you better not separate. That thing that God put together, that, that thing that God did, don't let any man separate. And so the idea of the child-parent relationship, not that it completely ever ends, not that it completely ever dissolves. Parents, you are always there, you know, in a sense, but the goal is for them to go. The goal is for them to leave and establish a home of their own. So now where there was, there was one home, now there are two homes that, that, that honor God. But in your home, the original one home, the original warrior pair, the original mating pair, that is supposed to stay. That is supposed to remain and turn into the other ones leaving the home. That party is never supposed to end. It's supposed to keep going and going. That relationship is never supposed to dissolve. Ideally, right? That's what the vow says, till death do us part. So parents, man, it should be in your mind 
that, that, that your marriage is going to continue long after these arrows have been released, long after they're, they're gone because arrows leave, warriors remain. So that right there should guide the way you approach parenting. Unfortunately, here's what we see. A lot of times, marriages crumble when the arrows leave. A lot of times, marriages fall apart when there is an empty nest. And you might ask why. And I think there's a number of reasons that it might fall apart when there's an empty nest. But I think one of the main reasons is that the kids took the place of priority and prominence in the home. A a position that they were never meant to occupy in the first place. And so mom and dad ceased being husband and wife because they put all their focus on being mom and dad. And they forgot about being husband and wife. And that's why we were never meant to have our children, our arrows that are in the quiver, be the focal point, be the center of the home. The only person that gets that position is God. Like, that's the only relationship. Come on, if one person claps, the Bible says three people should at least clap, all right? So let's get three. Or more, good. Like, everything should flow through that. Like, first your relationship with God, then with your husband, with your wife, and then on to your children. That's, that's the order. That's what God established. First God, husband, wife, children after that. But that's not what we see. A lot of times, here's what we see. Oh, no, 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 not my baby. My baby's my world. Well, if that's your idea, that's your approach, not only are you going to mess up that baby, but more than likely you're going to destroy your marriage in the process because they were never meant to be your world. Like you're putting your, your arrows before your spouse or people will often say too, well, whatever my baby wants, my baby gets. Listen, your baby is a spoiled brat if that's the case. And he's growing up, she's growing up to think that the world revolves around them. And one day when they leave, when they get shot out, shot off the bowstring, then they're going to understand. They're going to have this awakening and discover that the world does not revolve around them. That's why one of the greatest things, one of the greatest gifts as a parent you can do is to have a great marriage. A great marriage is one of the greatest gifts that you can give your children to have a rocking marriage, to have an awesome marriage. And people will say, well, no, no, wait, hey, that might mess my kids up. I don't want to weird them out. I don't want to be touchy-feely and huggy and stuff, you know, all the time. I don't want to mess my kids up. Really? You think it might mess your kids up for them to see that mom and dad have a, a love relationship, that they care for each other, that they fully intend to, to keep that marriage going long after you've left the home, which was the goal anyway? That's going to mess them up? Or maybe will it set them up for a, a firm foundation where they can build and establish a marriage the right way, where the kids aren't put before the spouse or their work or their job or their play or their hobbies or anything else. Maybe that. The goal was always for the arrows to leave, but for the warriors, the marriage to remain. And I'm not trying to be a bully about this. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be biblical. And God would have you know that as you honor him first, as you put your, your husband or wife second, then you are setting up your arrows for a successful launch. 
And they might not say anything about it to you while they're in the quiver, while they're little, but you are setting an example of strength, of stability, something that they can look to and hopefully build their own strong marriage one day as well. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. When it's God first, husband or wife second, children third. Everybody wins. But what about, Colby, when they're gone? That's scary. That's an empty nest. Well, empty nest is a rocking nest. You know what I'm saying? Like the kids are gone. Do whatever you stinking want to do. Run around the house naked. It doesn't matter, right? Empty nest is a great time. And people will say, well, by that time, you're going to be too old. That's not true because I've seen commercials where an elderly couple is sitting in two tubs, watching the sunrise, holding hands together, waiting for the exact moment to hit, all right? That's all I'm going to say about that. But by the way, this is why your little ones should not sleep in your bed. Honestly, well, my kid has, has nightmares. That's fine. Cuddle them, love them, pray for them, then send them back to their bed. You need to protect your marriage bed. You need to protect your relationship. I'm just saying we got to fight for our marriages. Amen. That needs to be an aim in your parenting that the warriors remain. Warriors remain. Another one right here. Another one is that there needs to be this transfer. One of our aims is that we transfer godly decision making to our children. That's the goal. So it's Father's Day. We've already talked about, about sex. Now let's talk about cars. You guys are like, man, this is the best church ever. You're right, it is. <laughs> it's been said that too much clutch is no better than too much gas. How many of you, honestly, like drive a, a, a standard, drive a stick shift, drive it well? Not like grinding all the gears all the time, but drive it well. All right, a few of you in this room, all right, a lot of you. All right, cool. Well, we know this, this really is about freedom. This is about liberty. This is about making good decisions. We know that the parents, that, that just too much gas, there's no clutch, they just pull off that clutch and they hit the accelerator, that they parent that way, that their kids can do whatever they wanna do, whenever they wanna do it. They can, you know, you know, put a TV in their room, unfiltered internet access, you know, with no one watching. That is a train wreck. That kid is gonna peel out and take off and that, that's, that's destruction waiting to happen. That's too much gas and not enough clutch. But the other end of that is too much clutch, not enough gas. Too much clutch, too much clutch. This is, this is the parent that uh, they have their kid like locked up in the basement, churning butter, knitting sweaters, you know, doing um, whatever it is they're doing, listening to, to Amy Grant, you know, before she went all crazy and started doing the whole, you know, baby, baby, that kind of stuff. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. You are much better off because you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's too much clutch. And if you approach your children with too much clutch, you have set them up for zero preparation to make good decisions as they grow up, as they are launched out to reach that target. Too much clutch is no better than too much gas. See, I was a, I was a youth pastor early on for a little bit until I couldn't stand those kids anymore. Just kidding. I, I love children. My own children. I love my own children. But I've seen this. 
I've seen the kid that comes to church that grows up in the Christian bubble, and maybe you have too, that's, that's homeschooled, and there's nothing wrong with homeschool, but homeschool for the wrong reasons, to keep them from ever experiencing anything or, or just keep them in their own little bubble. They'll come to youth group. They'll go off to, to college one day, even a Christian school, and they get out from under the too much clutch approach of the parents, and they go buck wild, like, like drinking everything, smoking everything, sleeping with everything. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And all you've done as a parent is you've given them no bandwidth to make bad decisions until it counts. And now that they're out of the house, it counts. And you've set them up, uh, launched them into the atmosphere without ever exercising their decision-making muscles. It's kind of like, you know, don't let little Tommy ride a skateboard, you know, without knee pads because he might fall. Well, let little Tommy make that decision. If he falls and scrapes a knee, you know, fine, whatever, he'll, he'll learn. But when you send him off to school, and they've lived in that bubble. And now it's like, should I have sex with this person or should I not before I get married? And they just, they have no capacity to make good decisions. Too much clutch is no better than too much gas. So what's the answer? Here's the answer. Equilibrium. The answer is finding that sweet spot. The answer is finding that spot between you letting the clutch out, right? And pushing on the accelerator in order for the engine to get gas. It's finding that equal Librium. And every clutch, by the way, is different. And what's interesting is you can't tell someone how to drive a clutch. They just got to do it. They got to experience it. They got to put their feet on the pedals and try it for themselves to find that momentum shifting kind of sweet spot, that equilibrium. And every clutch is different, by the way. If I go out and drive, you know, someone's sports car, it's got this tiny, you know, little clutch, you know, like quick little, you know, kind of uh, tight little clutch. I drive my Jeep, you know, it's this big, like wobbly thing, you know, in there. Every clutch is different. Every point of that clutch being released and gas being uh, depressed it is different. And there are different driving conditions. Starting a clutch on a flat surface, very different, right, than starting it on, on a hill. And I'm just saying that it takes wisdom and experience. It takes them learning to, to bump their knees, to get some scrapes, to achieve that all-important equilibrium. Parents, that's what we're aiming for. That's the goal, is transferring bit by bit, little by little, their ability to make godly, wise decisions until they are skilled at doing so. Too much clutch is no better than too much gas. And that's critical in our aim. Ready? We need to prepare them to propel them. We gotta begin with the end in mind. Aim, the aim is that, that the warrior parents, man, that, that stays together, that the arrows leave. The aim is that we transfer godly decision-making to our children, and then we get to the fire. The last one is fire. In fact, write this down. You only get one shot. You only get one shot, so we better make it count because there is no guarantee that your arrows are going to turn out the way they should. And as soon as I say that, you're like, whoa, 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 hold up. You just said, God's word says that if I train them up in the way that they should go, then they won't depart from it. That's, that's a proverb. That is, the proverbs are full of wise sayings that in as much as they depend upon you and you don't falter and you don't waver and you're perfect as a parent, then chances are most of the time they will fly straight. 
But the reality is we're talking about not an inanimate object. We're talking about a living, breathing human being that has the capacity to make decisions. And these little arrows, once you launch them out at any moment, they could like deploy the parachute and they could hit the brakes. They could rip off a, a fletching, right? And that arrow could take a sharp dive, you know, to the left or to the right. Because they, just like you, are free agents having their own choices to make. And God's not gonna force them to love him. God didn't force you to love him. He's not gonna force your little ones to love him either. And if they choose to go a different path, you gotta let them go. And believe that in Jesus' name, God will bring them back. And high on the list of things that you could do to set them up for failure is to hold on too tightly. In fact, you only get one shot Make it count. And a lot of times, the only hope you have of holding on is actually letting go. See, what we do is we cripple our kids when we hold on to them with a, a clenched fist. It's, it's, it's our God to teach them who God is, to, for them to know God, for them to love God, not for, for us to be God to them. We have to be willing to let them go. I wanna finish with this story. This is the, the, the prodigal son. Many of you know it. I encourage you to go through it and read it. But I want to talk about his father. Because his father raised him, probably did everything that he could. But now that the son is flexing his own kind of decision muscles, he wanted his inheritance. And he said, I'm getting out of here. And so his parents gave him his inheritance. He said, peace out. Mom and dad has been real. I'm going to Vegas. He takes off and he breaks the father's heart. Breaks the father's heart. But his dad let him go because he knew the only hope of ever getting him back was to let him leave. And the dad, even after the son blew everything, lost everything, a famine drove him back to you know, his original hometown. Now he's working you know, with the pigs. His dad never goes and grabs him and drags him out and pulls him out. It's not that he didn't want him to return. Again, he knew. The only hope of ever getting him back was letting him go. So when he actually finally comes back in verse 20, he returned to his home to his father. He, he came to this conclusion. He's like, man, what am I doing? And I pray to God, if you have that prodigal son that's out there, that he will arrive at that place of what am I doing? And he came to the conclusion that he was better off with his dad. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. The only hope, really, of getting them back is letting them go. And in our hope, sometimes, as parents, of restoring them, restoring them, of bringing them home, is to have this posture, again, of saying, I'm opening my hands. I'm willing to release you. I'm willing to let you fly. I'm willing to let you, you go. Because most of the time, once these arrows have been launched, They'll never come back. So for us, the time, parents, the time is right now. Like the time that we have with them is right now to instill in them the values, to model for them integrity and character. The time is now for us to discipline. The time is now for us to correct. The time is now for us to believe in them. You need to understand that what you are doing today it matters. It matters. Even if you don't have children, this matters. 
because you have your priorities right. This today matters. The time that you spend, and some of you would say, well, it's the summer, I'm gonna get around to it, I'm gonna, I'll devote some more time. When we get there, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. You have no idea how much time you have. Maybe they're gonna be gone one day and maybe you'll be gone one day. But what you do today, not tomorrow, today, it matters. It matters. I'm gonna close with this verse, Proverbs 17, 6. Because I just want us to have a a greater perspective, a, a bigger picture. In fact, let's invite the band to come back out onto the stage. And I just want to give us a greater view of of why this matters so much, of what you are doing today matters so much. Proverbs 17, 6 says, grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. You know what this is about? This is about legacy. This is about legacy. This is about generation after generation after generation learning from, being guided by your Life, So what you do matters. Like here we are today, right? We looked at Samson's father, Manoah. We're still learning from him how to communicate with mission control. We're still learning from the faith of, of Hannah on how to live open-handedly and give back to God what belongs to him anyway. What we do today matters. This verse is about wave after wave after wave of arrows on fire for God being launched towards the target in Jesus' name. What would it be like, parents, dad, mom, like one day on your deathbed or on your children's deathbed or on your children's children's deathbed, they're looking back over their life and they're making a difference or making an impact. God's word says his mercy lasts for thousands of generations, for generation after generation. And they're looking at the way you lived your life and the example that you set and it's modeled for them this great launch into the atmosphere that in Jesus' name, your children, your children's children alter history and make an impact for the kingdom based on what we do today. But the reality is we can't do this alone. We can't do it alone. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet? We started this series with Psalm 127 and I wanna close with Psalm 127. We were never meant to do this alone. In fact, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to guide us. It says, there goes the TV, buy TV, (laughs) see a TV. I'll tell you what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, the workers build in vain. We don't wanna do this alone. We need God's help. We need God's God's guidance to get us to that, that point in Jesus' name where we are raising this generation of world changers. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us with that today. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for instructing us and leading us and guiding us. Help us to be parents that know how to propel these little arrows into your preferred future for them, to that destination. Help us constantly be on our knees and on our faces, asking for God's spirit to help guide us and lead us, seeking mission control as we Aim these little ones toward the target. Help the parents in this room for their marriages to endure, to last, that they would be warriors, God. That that the main thing would be their relationship with God and then with each other. And let that flow into their, their children. Let us be an example for generations to come that we're gonna raise faith-filled, 
followers of Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.